0: Welcome back to another episode of that one sports podcast. I am your host Mitch Wilson, and let me tell you, the episode last week was so good that it is a hundred percent official. Mr. Chris Hale is my new co-host of that one sports podcast. Super excited, and we cannot wait for this journey and where it goes. So, Chris, my man, how you feeling? Good, man. I'll tell you what. To be able to get a
1: full time job after one interview, that's pretty impressive. Now, <laughs> oh no, man, it's it, it's awesome to be able to speak uh, sports with you, and really just to give our our opinion on what we feel, and not have any repercussions about it.
0: Isn't that why you start a podcast? Absolutely, hundred percent. You can Absolutely. just speak. We can just speak our mind, and whoever wants to listen can listen, and whoever doesn't want to don't have to. But you it's know just what they say. say There's two types of people. There's
1: individuals that like that one sports podcast, and then there's individuals that lie about it.
0: (laughs) Very true, very true. All right, we're going to get right into it. New news. Kyrie Irving traded from Brooklyn to Dallas. I think this is a good thing for the Dallas Mavericks. I think if you're Brooklyn not so great but because of the situation it was very apparent that Kyrie did not want to be there anymore because of you know the team maybe um his maybe some of his personal beliefs but Kyrie wanted out and because of the caliber of player that he is when a player like that wants out most likely he's able to get out and he goes to the Mavs that has Luka which I'm super excited for that finally Luka gets another star And I'm very excited to see what happens when they team up because, I mean, you have Kyrie who absolutely some of the best handles ever. Luca is on a projection to where if he has longevity, I think he'll have a crack at the NBA scoring title one day. And so I am just super excited to see how they work together. And it's going to be interesting to see how long it takes them to kind of to coexist and figure out how they want to play.
1: Yeah, big name trades are kind of part of the the landscape of professional sports, especially in basketball. Player mobility is what they, what they sell. I hate to sound old school like, hey, get off my lawn. I'm not a big fan of player mobility. I don't like that these guys talk in the summer and they team up because they're friends. A large majority of that time, it doesn't work out. And then now the team is just caught in limbo. And it's more than just a rich owner. It affects fan bases, and fan bases are what drive this game. But selfishly, that first initial splash, everybody is enamored by the trade. When it came over on my phone, Kyrie Irving was going to the Dallas Mavericks. My wife is a big Dallas Mavericks fan. She was excited. Kyrie Irving is impressive. Say what you want to say about him off the court, and he has some antics. He's a different cat. That's the easiest, nicest way to say it. He's just a different cat. But man, his bag is deep. And he gets in that bag a lot. And that man, Uncle Drew, has got some handles and he's fun to watch. I will say this though. I'm really interested to see what Luca and Kyrie look like. Luca is an extremely ball-dominant player, and so is Kyrie Irving. So how is that dynamic gonna work? between the two of them. And even though I think Kyrie has more big moment shots, like against the Warriors in game seven, Luka wants to be that big game shot maker who gives in. Does Kyrie play second fiddle to Luka because it's Luka's town or does Kyrie come in with, Hey, I got one of them things. I've got one of those rings and you need to play second fiddle to me. That's going to be interesting to me, Mitch, is to see just because this was a big time trade, How well do those two players play together in that role? And Markeith Morris was a sneaky trade that I didn't even realize until yesterday when I saw it on the ticker that Dallas got Markeith Morris too. So it's going to be fun to see what happens. Again, not a huge player mobility guy. I, I like loyalty. One of the reasons why I stick with Kobe so long is I love that he played for one franchise. Dirk played for the Mavericks one franchise. Uh, Jordan almost did, and then he screwed it up with his wizard stint. Like, what was he thinking? That was so horrible. Yeah, it was bad, man, and it's bad. And anytime one of those greats go play for another team, it just ends up not being well. So I'm excited from an overall sports fan. It gives us stuff to talk about. We'll see how they work. It may work this year. It may work next year. But overall, Kyrie Irving, big name, going to Big D. Speaking of basketball... Let's go ahead and get into what's probably going to dominate the basketball waves for the next five days, at least, LeBron James closing in on the scoring title. I don't really want to get in tonight to who we consider our goats, and that's a big debate that we could probably spend the entire podcast on. Yeah, yeah, and and I think we'd have a lot of agreement, but let's talk about that scoring title, and I'm going to kind of give a hot take here. Let me preface this first. I am not a huge LeBron James fan. Respect his greatness. He's in my top three. I go Jordan, Kareem, LeBron. That's my top three. He is an amazing talent to watch. I'll be happy to say that I watched him play. I do believe, though, that Kareem's record is more impressive in his era when he did it than when LeBron is about to break the record. Now, a lot of leagues want to change their. They're dynamic to scoring. MLB did it with their balls. They juiced up the baseballs. They want more home runs. The NFL, they put more rules on the defense so the offense can score. They take away hitting the quarterback. They don't want to lose their stars. The NBA is one of those leagues that pushes scoring. I mean, look at every night. There's like 147 to 130, 153 to 148. No one plays defense. Everyone wants them to score. LeBron with all the talent that he has, he's a product of also playing in a day and age where they want you to score. You didn't even have to be a great three-point shooter in this day and age. And I don't have the stats in front of me, but LeBron probably takes about seven to eight threes a game. If he makes one or two of those a night, that just mathematically increases his chances of scoring more. Did you know, Mitch, that Kareem only attempted 18 threes In his career and made one. So 38,000 points he made off of one shot. The sky hook. So in my opinion, you play in an era where the defense is stacked against you. They want zone defense. They they don't want scoring as much. And you go out there and in spite of all that, you put 38,000 points up. When half of his career, probably there wasn't even a three-point line. Invented. Congratulations to LBJ going to be awesome to see history, long-standing record, but I do believe that Kareem, I hold him in higher esteem for when he broke the record um, in his day and age than now. What do you think about that?
0: I think that LeBron is absolutely great. I think he is one of the top guys ever to play in the NBA. I think that it's been impressive to see his longevity because, I mean, how many guys play as long as he has played, I think that is Kudos to him and how he chooses to take care of his body, which has essentially allowed him to to continue to play, to have this opportunity to, to break this record. And I think that he's probably one of the most complete all-around basketball players to ever play as much as people talk about him making the right basketball play that's just who he is and if the game's winding down and he can kick to the corner for a wide open shot that's what he's gonna do because in his mind that's the best basketball play I think that he's great again I also am not the biggest LeBron fan, but I absolutely respect his greatness because whether you like him or not, you have to respect what he's done for the game and what he's done on the court. I think that, like you said, I do feel that Kareem, because of the air in which he played and only essentially hitting one three-pointer, I think that him doing that and scoring still that many points... You know, and how what you alluded to, you know, the sky hook, that shot was unblockable. And so for him to constantly be able to hit that shot, I mean, that's that just goes to show you how great he really was. And so, yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. And something I want to mention here, and this is going to be sour grapes, but I'm interesting. I'm interested to get your take on this. I am not a huge stat guy. When I talk about my goats or I talk about who I consider to be the greats, I do not hold stats as the biggest indicator to me. And let me explain why. If LeBron passing Kareem is going to make him a better scorer than Jordan or Kareem just based off stats, then how come in every single barbershop in the country they don't talk about John Stockton being that dude at point guard. Statistically, there is no one even close to his assist. So it shows you that stats alone can't be your key indicator. So what do you think about that when people say, LeBron's going to now be the all-time scorer, that makes him the best offensive player, or that solidifies him as the GOAT? Do you agree that with me that stats are not the only indicator, or are you one of those stat guys?
0: I would tend to agree with you. Um, I, stats are important, but not the most important. Uh, me personally, I prefer rings. And something that you alluded to in our last podcast, I truly believe in moments. And I think that's super important because people 20 years from now, just like your example, John Stockton, he has the most assists by point guard. And that was how many years ago? And people don't even know that. Because John Stockton never had many moments. If he would have had more moments, like if him and Carl would have won a championship, he would probably held in higher esteem. But John Stockton had all the stats in the world, but he never had moments.
1: Well, and also he had a great clips haircut. He was rocking <laughs> seven-inch team shorts with some high socks and wearing those 740 new balances. (laughs) So he's not going to have the flair, but from a pure stat standpoint, I ask that question to a lot of guys that I just cut it up with. If stats are everything, and that's going to be your indicator that LeBron's going to have all these stats, so that makes him the go, or just scoring alone, that's going to make him the greatest offensive player of all time, then how come John Stockton is not ahead of Steph Curry or Magic Johnson as a point guard because he has the most assist, and it's not even close. He has more assist. I think he's like 3,000 more than the second-place person. It's it's unbelievable. That's crazy. And, and just imagine this. There's 82 games in an NBA season. So if a player was averaging 10 assists, he would only be at 820 assists in a season. So for second place to catch him, and again, my math may not be correct, let's say it's 3,000 assists. You're not getting that in one season or half a season. It's going to take you four seasons to even get to that record. So do I consider Stockton the greatest point guard? No, but that's my point. I don't hold stats to that high regard. You have to have a lot of different diversity that you bring to the table before I start considering you in my book to be the best. So, just curious what you thought on that about LBJ scoring title and and what you thought really about how people hold stats as, as everything. These advanced stats, well, he's the best at this and he's the best at that. Okay, well then you need to use your same argument for every sport across the board.
0: Stats should be the king. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of stats breaking records, in my opinion, the GOAT, Mr. Tom Brady, has officially retired from the NFL. Switching it up to football. All right. I can talk yes, about people 12. I can talk about goat man, goat man. You know, I am not a huge Tom Brady fan, but I am. I, <laughs> but like LeBron, I respect his greatness. Tom Brady has won seven Super Bowls. Tom Brady is holds like what we were just talking about. He holds every important quarterback record ever. Okay touchdown yards so the thing in my opinion why he is the goat not only does he have the rings check he has moments check three he's number one in all the stats, check and to be completely honest as much as i love patrick mahomes i don't know if there's anyone that can catch him he has had an absolutely amazing career And if you think about it, he's essentially because he's won seven Super Bowls. He's essentially had two Hall of Fame careers. You had the the first, you know, eight eight years that he won the three three championships, and then there was a lull six, seven, eight years, and then he wins four more championships. And I think for Tom, what was so impressive, the last championship he wins with Tampa Bay. And proves to everyone that, hey, I don't need Bill Belichick. I am that guy. And I am thankful that I have been able to watch him play essentially my whole life. He will definitely be enshrined as a first ballot Hall of Famer, no question. This is a guy that I will tell my grandkids I got to watch him play and how great he was. TB12, congratulations. You are the GOAT. Wishing you nothing but the best in your future. And please move on from Giselle because she has turned that page.
1: You know, I have not minced words about my feelings for Tom Brady (laughs) since we have been friends. I I was his fan in Michigan uh, when the Patriots drafted him. It was one of those things on Madden that I would rush to see who got him from Michigan. And I saw he went to new England and I'm like, Oh, I don't think he's going to play very much. I kind of liked him in college, whatever. Second year. Drew goes down, Drew Bledsoe that is, Drew goes down, he comes in, wins a Super Bowl his very first year, happy for him, always admired the kind of underdog mentality that he had, the 199th pick, looking like a man that sold cars in the uh, (laughs) NFL Draft Combine. Nothing (laughs) about him speaks athleticism and what he's been able to do the most impressive thing for me is his consistent greatness. He's not one of those players that burned bright quickly and got to two rings and kind of died down. Or he was good for three years, bad for six, and then good for another two. He has sustained greatness for a very, very long time. The dynasty that he was a part of, awesome to watch. That Peyton Manning and Tom Brady rivalry will go down as one of the greatest rivalries to ever watch. I mean, how many of us just ran to the TV on Sunday Night Football when it was the Colts against the Patriots? It almost sold as much fanfare as a Super Bowl. I mean, it would beat most NBA finals for media, you know what I mean? Like, as far as the ratings. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And for him to leave Bill Belichick, and basically he answered the door every time there was a naysayer. He's just a game manager. He goes out his second Super Bowl and breaks the completion record with 32 completions against Carolina Panthers. Well, it's the defense. He comes out and wins back-to-back. They go give him Randy Moss. Well, he was more of a game manager. Let's see what he does. And he lights the league on fire. 50 touchdowns. Do you know that season, he played in that season a top-10 defense seven times, and it didn't even matter. Blew them all out. Tom Brady was that man. And even though he looks like somebody that you would see on the street and wouldn't believe if he told you he was an NFL player, you'd be like, okay, yeah, sure. He's like, no, (laughs) seriously, I played in the NFL. And you're like, oh yeah, sure you did. He doesn't have that athletic body that you would look at and say, that just is an absolute specimen, but it doesn't matter because there's a lot of intangibles in an athlete that we don't give credit to. And that's what's in your, in your heart and how hard you're going to work and how hard you're going to outwork everybody else, that's what Brady will be known for. He did the most with the least amount of talent around him as far as the offensive side. He had some great defenses, and I believe that's what he'll be remembered for. I know he doesn't listen to this podcast. If he did, that would be fantastic, but I will give my congratulations to him as well. Thank you for hoisting the NFL up as long as you have. I do not hold him as the greatest of all-time quarterback. I hold him as the greatest and most accomplished football player to ever play, which would include being a quarterback. That's where I rank him. I think from accomplishments, he has had the greatest NFL career of all time. And go enjoy your retirement. You know, Speaking of Giselle, isn't it funny when he was with Giselle, he looked kind of young and spry? When she said he, she was gone, do you notice how quick – Father Time jumped on his back. Boy, you you ain't never lie about that. His cheeks were all sunken in, and he looked like man. Giselle must have had that ill na na because it was keeping her. It was keeping him young. And then all of a sudden, she says, "I'm out," and he starts looking like uh, Henry Winkler. (laughs) So keeping on football here, we'll keep this next segment pretty short. And I'm just curious on your thoughts of this. The Pro Bowl took place not too long ago. I am not a fan at all, so I will go ahead and share that up front. I I don't like the Pro Bowl anymore. Uh, when I was younger, I did, but I think they should just get away with it. And I think you're under that same thought process. So instead of asking you, do you like the Pro Bowl, we're going to do this a little different tonight. What would you do to improve the Pro Bowl. You tell me what you would do to improve it, and then I will tell you my thoughts of what I would do. If the NFL and Roger Goodell is listening to that one sports podcast, here's some ideas that we have to improve the Pro Bowl. And I'll let you go first, Mitch.
0: Okay. I appreciate that, Chris. I think the first thing that you have to do is you have to move the Pro Bowl to after the Super Bowl. So the guys that read so the guys that are playing in the Super Bowl still have an opportunity to play in the Pro Bowl because in the Pro Bowl you want best on best. We don't want because you know between the Chiefs and Eagles they had there's you know 12, 13 Pro Bowlers. We don't want to see guys that don't deserve. Well, I should well essentially don't deserve to be there because of their them playing in the Super Bowl. We need that to be moved to after the Super Bowl so you have best on best. And I would say maybe put some type of incentive up as to between the AFC and NFC, whoever whoever wins that game, uh, like the team splits like a million dollars or something like that. Because I think that if you do something like that, then hopefully guys at that point will actually play because I really like when it's best on best. I mean, I would love to see, you know, Tyreek Hill out there against Patrick Sertan or I would love to see. You know, Patrick Mahomes, you know, versus, oh, dang, NFC. Are their quarterbacks that bad? You know, Aaron Rodgers. The
1: whole quarterback roster. They had Tyler Huntley in the Pro Bowl, man. And they had Jennifer Lawrence. Yes, I said Jennifer Lawrence, (laughs) not Trevor. He's in the Pro Bowl. And then who wants to see Kirk Cousins play? Stars sell. Stars sell. Could you imagine Mission Impossible doing Mission Impossible 1 and 2, and then they say, we're going to make Mission Impossible 3, but Tom Cruise isn't coming back. And you expect Mission Impossible 3 to get the same ratings as the other ones? It doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. Stars sell the game. I agree with you. Move it past the Super Bowl and allow those stars to come. I'm okay with them playing flag. I really am. Flag to me is not the problem. It's that the stars are not there. How many people would tune in to see Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford all have a arm strength contest? All that talk of I can throw it further, he can throw it further. Bring back those skills competitions where it actually showed talent. I don't want to see crazy catches with these gloves. I don't want to see a gridiron gauntlet. I want to see old 40-yard dash. Let's see if someone's faster than Tyreek Hill. And then bring back QB accuracy and throwing distance. Let's see Mahomes and Allen reach back to those bazookas that they have and chuck it. And then we can all start calling them Uncle Rico because they would be throwing them football over the mountains. That's what I want to see. Give the Stars an opportunity to show their skills, for us to be enamored by their talent, and have them play in that game. And again, it can be flag. I don't care. But get the stars into the Pro Bowl and you'll see the ratings go up. Because that's who we want to
0: see. I couldn't agree more, Chris. I mean, like you said, Star sell. And when you have Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and those guys. And... If you think about it, Joe Burrow and Josh Allen both decided not to even go to the Pro Bowl because it's not as prestigious as it used to be. Uh, apparently Josh Allen would rather be on a golf course with his family than participating in the Pro Bowl. Like you said, Chris, they want to see Patrick Mahomes. They want to see Josh Allen. They want to see Joe Burrow. And if they can get those guys back into the Pro Bowl and in competitions that we really want to see, I think that it'll do nothing but Continue to get better and have better ratings. And honestly, to your point, Chris, if they have a an arm strength contest, I guarantee you that it would be the highest watched Pro Bowl in the last probably ten years. Speaking of, you know, Patrick Mahomes, you know, there's a, I don't know if you know, but there's kind of an important game coming up on Sunday.
1: Oh, really? I, I, You know what? I must have been living in the sand. I, I don't know that there's a game coming up on Sunday.
0: <laughs> yes, sir. Sunday, 5.30, Super Bowl 57, baby. Hey, hey, man, just let me stop you here. Isn't it nice to be
1: a Chiefs fan in the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes era? I mean, how many times, Mitch, did we sit there and lose to the Colts, Lynn Elliott missing field goals, Marty Schottenheimer doing Marty Schottenheimer type things in the playoffs. We have a 13 and 3, number one offense with Dick Vermeil going the no punt game, can't even win at home. We talk about this great home field advantage in the 90s and early 2000s and can't do anything with it. Alex Smith comes in, captain check down, can't throw it past 10 yards. We'll never put it in harm's way, taking that risk it for the biscuit type mentality. And then. God just touches Patrick Mahomes' right arm. <laughs> we get Andy Reid, almost goes to, to Arizona. We, our lovely owner flies down, meets him in Philly, basically puts a cheeseburger smelling salt underneath Andy Reid's nose, tells him about our KC barbecue. That was the selling point. Gets old Big Red over here. He gets Patrick Mahomes, and we have known nothing but success. I cannot believe we are in our third Super Bowl in, what, five years since he's been there? They said now that Tom Brady has retired, Patrick Mahomes has now the most Super Bowl experience in the league. He's been in three Super Bowls. And I just get I just get so giddy because I used to be so sad watching the Chiefs. I'd watch them lose in the playoffs. It'd mess up my whole month. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, you've changed every Chiefs fan's life. We're in the Super Bowl again, and I'm going to let you speak to this first about your predictions, but I'm going to go ahead and say it right here, right now, February 7th, 2023. Chiefs are going to win on Sunday, 31-21, and I'll tell you why I think that here in a little bit. But what's your predictions,
0: Mitch? Well, Chris, I'll tell you what. I was listening to some national media today, and to be quite honest, I felt disrespected because they were essentially talking about Philadelphia's defense and how great Philadelphia's defense is. Don't get me wrong, their defense is good, but they've literally only played, in my opinion, three really good, not even elite quarterbacks. And all those quarterbacks put up 30 plus. They just happen to outscore them. Philadelphia has not seen an offense like ours yet. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to do Patrick Mahomes things and have that magic. I think the offensive line is going to keep him upright. I think Travis Kelsey is going to have a game on the defensive side of the ball. I think that the young DBs are going to step up just like they did last game because as a young DB in the league, you know, if people aren't aware, we start four rookies on defense. I'm sorry. We start five rookies on defense. In the secondary alone, we have like three or four. Yeah, so we start five rookies on defense, and four of them are in the secondary. And for them to have that experience in the AFC Championship game, to get that, to have that success, that's just going to bode well for them in the Super Bowl. So now they're going to have the opportunity to take it up another notch, and I do believe that they will. I think Chris Jones is going to have a game. He has to. In these type of games, big players must make big-time plays in big-time situations. Patrick Mahomes, he's got to play well. Travis Kelsey, got to play well. Chris Jones, got to play well. Frank Clark, got to play well. And just for all those who are unaware, Frank Clark is now number three in postseason sacks in NFL history. Think about that for a second. One guy on our team has the third most postseason sacks in NFL history. That's a guy that can be just average or above average during the season. But for whatever reason, come playoffs, he flips a switch, and he absolutely gets it done. He's so, a Joe Flacco
1: of the defense. Regular ex- season, you don't even know where Mr. Flacco is, and all of a sudden, playoff comes, and he's like, da-da-da-da! Yeah, he's, it's- that man. That's, that's Frank Clark, man. I agree with you. He comes in in the playoffs and just shows out. So what's your keys to the game? For so, so us to be victorious, talking next week as Super Bowl fifty seven champions. What's your keys to the game, Mitch?
0: So keys to the game. Like I said earlier, offensive line has got to keep Patrick Mahomes upright. They have a they have got to allow him to do Patrick Mahomes things. Okay. Yes, no, number two, Kelsey gotta play big. He's gonna play big. That's just who he is. Receivers. Got to play well. And I also think, I don't know why I have this feeling. I don't know why. Um, I know that as of right now, uh, Juju is trending in the right direction. Kadarius Tony is trending in the right direction. But for some reason, I have a feeling, and I could be completely off-base and wrong. But for some reason, I have a feeling that Jody Fortson, who is like our tight end number three, is going to have a big catch sometime in this game. So if that happens, great. Okay. Defensive side of the ball, we have got to contain the run game. I think Jalen Hurts, Philadelphia's quarterback, I think he is hurt more than what people realize. I think that if we can contain the run game and make him beat us with his arm, because as of right now, he has a shoulder injury, and I think that is affecting him greatly. If we can contain the run game and make Jalen Hurts beat us with the pass, I think if that happens, then when we talk next week on our next episode, we're talking as Super Bowl champion. And Patrick Mahomes will have his second Super Bowl in five years. And what a wonderful feeling that would be. And I am just so glad that Patrick bleeping Mahomes is on my
1: team. Yes, sir. So I'm going to go a little different here. I'm not going to give you keys. I'm going to give you players. And I'm going to list six players who I want people to pay attention to because I believe these six players on the Chiefs will be the difference in the game. And I'm going to go defense first. Frank Clark, we talked about him before. I think the Philadelphia line saw what Chris Jones did last week, and they are going to do all that they can to make sure he is not a game wrecker. So that means who's going to get those one-on-ones? Frank Clark, George Karloftis. But more importantly, Frank Clark has to do what he has done in his career in the playoffs. So Frank Clark, number one on defense. Number two, Willie Gay. Why I find him to be important is they may ask him to spy Jalen Hurts. With his speed that he has, he may be the one that they ask to spy Jalen Hurts and to get outside on Miles Sanders when they run those deep stretch plays. That's my second. My third is Trent McDuffie. Rookie, I think they're going to try him. I definitely think they're going to try to put the bigger A.J. Brown on him as opposed to Devontae Smith. A.J. Brown is going to try to find that matchup with Trent McDuffie, and he's going to have to win those battles when they arise. I'm not saying he's going to have to play all game, but those third down money downs, that's when I think Trent McDuffie is going to have to show up and show out. On the offensive side, kind of an unsung hero. We don't talk about the line a lot. Andrew Wiley. If Philadelphia's defense is not trying to get Hassan Redick with one-on-ones with Andrew Wiley, Nick Sariani or whoever is running those defensive plays is not a smart coach. Andrew Wiley is our weakest line member. I believe they're going to try to exploit him. He plays even an above-average game. It's going to make the world of difference. My fifth player is Jarek McKinnon. He is someone that I look at, he's going to have to catch a lot of balls out of the backfield. He's going to be that third and five, that third and six, halfback angle routes. They're going to try to get him one-on-one with some of the linebackers of the Philadelphia Eagles, which I think can be had. That's why I think Travis Kelsey. To anyone that's listening to this or anyone that will listen to this, this is me not saying that Mahomes isn't going to have a big game or Kelsey. These are just six people that don't really get the spotlight that I think are going to be integral parts in our victory. The sixth person is the same position, Isaiah Pacheco. If Pacheco gets you 110 all-purpose yards, rushing and catching, I think we're going to see a victory. And that's why I think that it's going to be over seven points. I think we're going to win 31 to 21. From the Eagle side, and now I'll talk Eagles and I'll let you talk, I'm going to go the same concept. I'm not so much going to go Keys, I'm going to go players. For Eagles to win, I think it hinges on one player on offense, and that's Jalen Hurts. And I know that's nothing to write home about, oh, yeah, of course he's going to pick the quarterback. It's his arm in particular. Last two games he's played in, he's only thrown for a little bit over 150 yards each game. I don't think he's right. I think he's got a hitch in his shoulder. We talked about it last week. If he comes out and can throw for 225 or 250, I think that will be the deciding factor of whether or not they're going to win, especially if he runs for 40, 50 yards and a touchdown. That's going to make the world a difference. So Jalen Hurts, to me, is huge. And then A.J. Brown winning those battles, I think those two are going to be the indicators that will be the difference of them winning and not. And on the defensive side, Brandon Graham, Hassan Reddick, and Darius Slay. So one from every level. Those are the three that I think you need to be paying attention to for the Eagles to be victorious and for us to cancel our podcast next week because if we lose, I ain't even coming on. Oh, yes, on. you are, bro. I we're gonna know. I'm, fa- I'm, I'm, we're going to have to face the music, man. We're going to have to face the music. Take it like men, right?
0: Right, absolutely. All right, so what's your, what's your keys for the Eagles? Keys for the Eagles defensively. They have to get to Pat. They have got to get to Patrick Mahomes. Okay, because if they don't, he's gonna be doing Patrick Mahomes things, which does not bode well for them. Another key aligning with what you said, Chris, is that in my opinion, Jalen Hurts is gonna have to have a MVP like game. He's gonna have to be that dude through the air and on the ground for them to have an opportunity to win. The Eagles have to get the ground game going. Okay. They are top five in the league in rushing. They need to establish that run because if they can establish the run, then that means that they are controlling the time of possession and they're keeping Patrick Mahomes off the field. And then I would say my last key for the Philadelphia Eagles is don't let Patrick Mahomes make magic. Because if he does, you are absolutely in a world of hurt and you are going to be on every broadcast anyway. It's going to happen anyways, but none of those defenders – want to be a guy like against Tampa Bay when Patrick Mahomes rolls out, spins on somebody, makes them look really stupid, and then just, you know, shot puts a ball to a running back in the back of the end zone. They don't want to be looking like that. Because if –
1: They're magically delicious.
0: (laughs) Exactly. So those are my keys uh, for the Eagles. I think that – Prediction, prediction. I
1: I, I don't think you said yet. Oh, okay.
0: So my prediction for the game is – I do believe the Chiefs are going to win because of that guy 1-5. And I think that finals, my final score is Chiefs 28, Eagles 21. I believe that we win by 7. And I think that the game is close. But I think even though we only win by 7, I think towards the end is when the Chiefs will essentially... They'll be up by 7, ha- have the ball with just over 2 minutes. 2-minute two warning will hit. They'll get the next first down, and then they're in the victory formation at the end of the Super Bowl. Oh, but one thing, one player I do want to bring up just really quick who doesn't get a lot of love that has, in my opinion, played really well in the last two playoff games. He's a guy on the defensive line by the name of Mike Dana. 100% underrated, but has been playing fantastic, which has allowed other guys on the D-line to play well. And he, I think he's gotten a sack or two. Uh, he plays the, the run really well, and I just wanted to bring him up because I feel like he hardly ever gets he love. But Mike Dana, if, if he continues to play well, that just bodes well for the Kansas City Chiefs. Absolutely. And just to be clear,
1: 28-21 Chiefs, and I've got 31-21 Chiefs. All right, speaking of football and speaking of Super Bowls and how we know that you have to be upper echelon to get to the Super Bowl, right? It's the best of the best. So to end tonight's podcast, we're going to do something a little fun. And we are going to do an all-time offensive draft. So what you're going to do is pick a quarterback. You're going to pick one running back. You will pick three wide receivers, a tight end, and an offensive line. So you won't pick a tackle, a guard, a center, a guard, a tackle. You'll pick a collective offensive line. I will let you go first. So with your first pick, in the all-time offensive draft, who are you picking with your number one pick?
0: Well, I think this, this is just, uh, it doesn't even even need to be said. I mean, I think everyone who is listening to this or with any common sense knows who I'm going with. That would be my first selection at quarterback. You have Goatman, Man, Tom Brady. I just want everybody to know, so I've known Mitch for a really long time.
1: And I want everyone to know this. He has only been a Brady fan for like two years. When he was in the league and he was threatening us all the time, Mitch hated Tom Brady. 100%. And how are you going to take my pick? I thought you would have went with somebody else because you didn't like him. But I guess who else would you go with from a quarterback position? So I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. So here's my number one pick. I'm going to stay with you and pick a quarterback. And I'm going to go with who many people consider to be the second greatest of all time. And that is Joe Montana
0: at my QB. Nice. So
1: I'm going with Smooth
0: Joe. That's a great pick. That's a great pick. My next pick, I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to have to go receiver. I'm going to have to go with, in my opinion, the best deep threat of all time. And also, side note, also played with Tom Brady for a year or two. And that is Mr randy moss
1: all right good pick good pick i'm gonna go ahead and team up joe montana with a goat from the wide receiver ranks and i'm gonna go with jerry rice jerry rice at my
0: oh wide receiver. that's a great pick that's a great pick okay okay i think i'm gonna go receiver again and i'm gonna go with the guy who on the field one of the best ever to do it off the field people may not like him this much I'm a fan of him, but he is an absolute stud. And I'm going to go with Mr. Terrell Owens.
1: Ah, Good pick, good pick. Running back, I'm going to go with running back here. And I am going to pick probably one of the most electrifying running backs ever. Never won a ring, but on my team he would. I'm going to go running <laughs> back, Barry Sanders, the man, the myth, the legend.
0: That's a great pick.
1: B Sanders. it's a great
0: man. Dude, his, his highlight reel is absolutely just ridiculous. You know, I, mean, I actually –
1: I don't like telling people who might be listening to this podcast. I actually cried when he retired. Really? When he retired at 29, my life was over. <laughs> uh, Barry Sanders, I had his jersey. I had his turf shoes that you could buy. Remember those? Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I cried because I used to wake up at like 4.30 and watch ESPN in the morning before school. And when they announced he was retiring, I bawled my eyes out. Man,
0: man, that's man, that's that, that's dedication, bro. That, yeah. That's that's being that's being that dude. Or you okay. just have ADHD. We don't yep. know yet;
1: haven't been tested, but okay. Right,
0: so, who's your next pick? Okay, so I'm gonna go over running back as well. This guy is a Hall of Famer, um, but I still think he is underrated. He is a guy that can do it all, and it hurts me a little bit to pick him because. He played in the Chiefs Division and hurt my feelings so many times, but he's still that good. I got to pick him. My pick at running back is Ladanian Tomlinson.
1: That's a good pick, man. That's that's a pick that I don't think a lot of fans remember how good he really was, and he's another one that doesn't have a ring, but a great
0: pick. I mean, And people probably don't remember, but he actually held the record for most touchdowns in a season. He was that good. He did. I'm gonna go off course here and I'm
1: not gonna go receiver. I'm gonna go tight end and I'm gonna pick someone who's playing in Sunday Super
0: Bowl and I'm gonna pick <laughs> Travis Kelsey. Oh. Some people might say that's a homer, but that's a great pick. Well, when you have like six straight
1: one thousand yard seasons, or maybe even seven.
0: Seven, yeah, it's it's seven. seven.
1: That's not a homer. That's just called logic.
0: Right, absolutely. I will I think I will go tight end as well. I'm going to go with the guy who you could argue is the GOAT. In my opinion, as much as it pains me to say this, I feel like he is the most complete tight end of all time, and that is Mr. Rob Gronkowski. Oh, you went with Gronk. You went with Gronk. I did. I mean, you got Brady at quarterback Gronk
1: at tight end, bro. How am I going to lose? All right, wide receiver. I'm going to go with someone who played the game the right way. Every time he scored, he just gave the ball back to the ref and probably has the best hair game of all time,
0: Mr. Larry Fitzgerald. That's a great pick. It's a great pick. I'm going to go back to receiver as well to round out my receivers. I'm going to get a guy who they call the playmaker, a.k.a. Big 8-8, Mr. Michael Irving.
1: I see that. I I see why he would be enticing, you know, what was on that um, awesome dynasty in the early 90s with Troy Aikman, them, and the boys. My next receiver that I'm going to pick that's going to round out my receiving core might shock some people. I think he was severely underrated and put up fantastic stats with subpar quarterback. I bet you couldn't even name when I tell you who this is, who his quarterback's were and the guy i'm gonna go with steve smith
0: senior that's a great pick the only quarterback i can remember is jake delone to be completely honest
1: and exactly the only thing espn could ever say about him was daylight come and you want to Delone." that's it because <laughs> that's all he, i mean that man was nothing
0: so right. who's your o-line oh uh, this is an easy one for me i got to see these guys a lot growing up um, this line has two Hall of Famers on it and they are near and dear to my heart. I'm gonna go with the early two thousand Chiefs offensive line. Oh, that had Willie, Willie Rofe and the boys. Willie Rofe, Will Shields, Tim Grunhard, those boys. They were just blocking like you ain't never seen.
1: Hey, how scary would it be being a, a defensive player? And seeing someone as big as Willie Rolfe or or any of these big tackles, Willie Rolfe running out there, and doesn't the number 77 just look intimidating on a lineman? Like these big, massive F-350s and that number 77, and it ain't your lucky day. So don't look at that number (laughs) and be like, oh, them are double sevens. No, he's coming to road
0: grade you. Oh, 100%, bro, 100%.
1: I love your pick. So my O-line I'm only picking this O-line due to the fact that I've got Barry Sanders at running back. And growing up, when I would say that Barry Sanders was the GOAT, and a lot of people would agree, they'd all say, man, could you imagine what Barry Sanders would have done with the Dallas Cowboys line? So I'm going with the early 1990s. Dallas Cowboys line, Larry Allen and them boys. My team's going to be a run first. We're going to use that West Coast offense with Joe Montana. Play action fake. Jerry Rice is going to run them slants. Larry Fitzgerald's going to give me them option routes. Kelsey's going to do what he needs to do in the middle field. And Steve Smith, I don't know if he's going to catch a touchdown or punch somebody in the face. Either (laughs) way, (laughs) I got a squad,
0: baby. I got a squad. You got a squad. I got a squad, too. I mean, like, you know, I have the greatest quarterback of all time. So he's just going to sit back there and pick you apart with Randy Moss, Michael Irvin, Gronk, and T.O. I mean, physically, I mean, two of my three receivers are just big and just faster than probably anybody you want to put on him. Oh, and then you have LaDain Tomlinson in the backfield, so you don't know if he's going to get the ball in a run play or he's coming out of the backfield and he's going to catch it on a, on a halfback angle and then he's going to juke your uh, Mike linebacker to where he loses his jock trap and he's taking it 60 yards to the house.
1: Okay. So, my- yeah. and So just for fun, we won't do a defense, but real quick before we end in the podcast, one defensive player to add to that team, who you taking? So you get one player of all time to add to that team. Who are you taking?
0: This is easy for me. For me personally, I'm I'm deciding between two people. I have to go with my number one guy who I consider to be the best defensive player of all time, no matter what position. And you already know what his name is. That man's name is prime time. Deion Sanders, baby, that's who I'm going with. You know, I'm going to go with, you've heard me say this, I like
1: my defensive guys to be just rough, where you don't know if they're going to tackle you or at the end of the game they're going to be arrested and have some felony charges. <laughs> I'm going with the man that had the best pregame dance of all time, in my uh, opinion, better than prime time. I'm going number 52,
0: Mr. Ray Lewis. That's a great pick. That's a great pick. Man, that's a great pick. Our teams are pretty dope. I ain't, I'm not going to lie. They're pretty dope. Hey,
1: I just got to ask, how come you didn't go with a white wide receiver? <laughs>
0: well, yeah, we all know why I didn't. I can't say. Sorry. Hey, so, hey. I same can't reason
1: say. Why We didn't pick a shooting guard to be white.
0: <laughs> hey, exactly. You know, uh, th- that's the exact same reason why uh, Deion Sanders was at the Combine uh, three or four years ago. And uh, I can't remember. There was this kid. I kid you not. At a, a at a BYU, his last name was Ayuk Whiteboy, and he they were doing the forty, and he and he ran a he ran a four three two, and Deion said, "Ooh, he can run, run." And they said, "Deion, what do you mean? Well, why do you say that?" He said, "Because he can run, run." And they're like, "Are you surprised?" And he said, "I'm not answering that question. You know I can answer that question." <laughs> you you said he was from BYU. Yeah. Yeah, he probably ran that fast because he was paying his tithing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You ain't ain't lying, bro. So, oh, man. Well, guys, that's going to wrap up the third episode, man. We're super excited to get this done. And uh, Chris, my man, I appreciate you. I'm so happy that we are going to be in this together for the long run. I can't wait to see where this thing goes. And, guys, until next week, remember – Be kind, because everyone you meet is battling something that you have absolutely no idea about. Until next week, peace!